it would be a waste because Ethan Page is very good. I'm very good as singles. We are both main event people across North America. But coming together as a tag team, we have this chemistry that would be just, it would be a waste not to, you know, exploit it. What's up, Bengal fans? It's your host, Joey Carney, and I want to thank you for clicking on this video. It was an amazing experience, and I can't wait for you to watch the full episode and enjoy it just as much as I did filming it. Now, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe down below to stay up to date with all the Angles activity right here on YouTube. Now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Angle Podcast. Today, another special guest. He's a former Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champion. He is the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. How are you, sir? And welcome uh, to the Angle Podcast. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. I was expecting Conrad Thompson and Kurt Angle, to be honest. I thought that was the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How, well, did that get on you at all? Like they came out, there's like the Kurt Angle Podcast, the Angle Podcast. It was just like. You know what's funny about that? I keep getting tagged and stuff for his podcast because yeah. his his uh, his handle is the Angle Pod, mm -hmm. which is the name of my show. So I'm, um, I don't know, <laughs> just going. Yeah. With I keep telling people, nope, that's not me, wrong person. But hey, uh, man, it's all right if it gets some people to listen to your show. And exactly right. <laughs> tuning in. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of kick things off, um, how has COVID life changed? everything for you how has it affected the training the daily life uh how is it just you know overall uh well the training it affected it mentally the everything in canada i, th I read a statistic yesterday that as of yesterday in america 98 percent of gyms are open wow in canada yesterday uh 60 of gyms were open and i live in a highly populated area or close enough to one to wow. where everything's been shut down gyms have only been open for maybe three or four months so for training, uh, it's been, you know, touch and go. You got to learn. You got to buy some stuff and throw it in your basement. You got to figure out how to adapt. And luckily I have. And it's uh, it's been great, actually, because for the first three months, I kind of got down on myself and, you know, just kind of submitted to whatever was going on. And then that gave me enough motivation when I hit rock bottom to really turn myself around and get re-motivated. And through that, I've worked on things and I'm probably the healthiest I've ever been at 33 years old, which is crazy to say, but I'm doing things that I would have never even considered before because I'm paying attention to those things because I have the time to. Uh, otherwise, you know, just a lack of wrestling really is the the biggest thing that has affected me as a performer. And I, I'm sure many fans out there listen to this. Like, it's just the lack of what we love, right? Of course. And I always ask people because... I know I always get different answers when I ask this question. How has it affected like not having fans around? <laughs> well, uh, it's definitely a learning curve for a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Like you, you have to find different ways to motivate yourself and different ways to get that adrenaline rush because in wrestling in front of a live crowd, when you're performing and like the pressure's on, there's nothing but adrenaline flowing through your veins. So when you go into a television taping, not a pay-per-view, because those are live, you get that same kind of adrenaline knowing people are watching live at home, even if they're not in the building. So, uh, but a television taping, you just got to find ways to motivate yourself. So for me, personally, I know every single one of the boys in the locker room, boys and girls, uh, 
you know, they're watching and they're, they're watching my every misstep and trying to figure out and see if I uh, screw up or do anything. So I'm just going to go out there and do the best I can to shove it down their faces that, you know, I just tore it up in front of nobody. You know what I mean? That's me. I'm a competitive kind of guy. So that's, that's how I do it. That's amazing. And I, I like to ask people about their origin stories. How did you, uh, discover wrestling how were you introduced to it and how did you ultimately get involved with it i discovered wrestling through my grandmother who's a sweet old lady the like if you took a picture of the perfect sweet old grandmother that's never said a curse word in her life that's my grandmother she's four foot ten and she just loves everybody but she loved miss elizabeth and macho man ready savage around wrestlemania four And she was just so into it. So apparently I was sitting on her lap watching that pay-per-view and she bought me some LJN figures when I was younger. And that was my real only exposure because my parents didn't watch it. I didn't have any siblings. Wasn't until later on that, uh, sorry, somebody tried to call me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I went away to university and, uh, I had re, re-found my love in high school watching TNA. It popped up and me and my buddies, we were just kind of like the wrestling geeks. And we had we had a new option now, you know, not just Raw and SmackDown that we kind of like grew stale of. And we discovered AJ Styles and Loki and Amazing Red and all these guys. And that opened the door to Ring of Honor and that opened the door to independent wrestling. And that's how I got into it. Of course. And, and through that process, you ultimately, you know, you met Ethan Page. How did that, how did you, how did you guys meet? How did that, how did you guys figure out you had chemistry? Where did that stem from? Uh, We met, he was a 16 year old kid that wasn't allowed to train to be a wrestler that was sneaking out to go to the wrestling shows. And he just wanted to do anything. So we let him be a backstage interviewer at shows. So that's how I first crossed paths with him. And I was, I'm a couple years older than him. So I was like 18. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, chemistry immediately we we actually butted heads and we didn't like each other for several years and it wasn't until maybe 10 11 years ago that we became friends and you know we started traveling together and through traveling together you just become even better friends and through that when we started tagging we just had this instant chemistry we we look at wrestling very similar when it comes to a match so when we're out there we're pretty much doing and thinking the same things of course and ultimately leaving, uh, leading to, you know, a great tag team all around the world. You guys, you have a match with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, a significant match in your career. What exactly, for the fans who are watching who don't know, what happened in that match? Uh, it was the, my favorite match of all time, probably. Uh, you know, the crowd was just insanely into me. We were in Michigan. I was wearing headgear. There's some Rick Steiner connection in Michigan there, I think. Yeah. And we tore the house down. We stole the show. And but the problem in the match, I took a tornado DDT and I suffered a broken neck. And I was what 10, almost 10 years into my career at that time, and I suffered a broken neck. Wow. And the whole story behind that, I, I was doing research on you, and it was so like so interesting how you didn't say anything about it. You you kind of you went through it. And could you kind of explain that whole process and the whole kind of the story of what exactly went down? Well, being 10 years into your career and kind of like getting around the American Indies and making a name for yourself, like our goal was to get signed. We, we wanted to be in Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was like the spot for us. It was literally Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor where, the, where all of our heroes came from and built their names. So we wanted to do the exact same thing. And apparently, you know, 
you know, we had heard that we were close to getting signed to a deal. So I didn't want anybody, I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want anybody to know how hurt I was. And the thing with the Canadian healthcare system was I didn't know I broke my neck right away. I just knew that I had an extreme amount of pain that was flowing down my arm and my fingertips were numb. Yeah. So, you know, I think I took two weeks and laid on my sofa and didn't go to my day job. And uh, I took a few more bookings and kept doing my ring of honor shots that I was having through then just trying to chug along and see if we could like break through and get signed. And then I'd be home free, right. To get my neck looked at. And by the time I got my neck looked at probably took eight weeks to get my MRI up here in Canada. And by the time that happened, you know, I knew I broke my neck and that ship had sailed. So I snuck in for surgery and uh, I only took six weeks off before I came back and tried to like, you know, skate through trying to be careful, but in professional wrestling, you're never very careful. And uh, probably six months later is when I re-aggravated the injury and had to go for my second surgery. So, Wow. And that second time I think was more significant from the first they, you kind of thought you broke your neck again and you were in sort of a retirement situation. Like what, what was the whole, the whole situation with that? So when you break your neck, you have these discs, right? Like picture my fingers as discs. If I broke something here, they were going to fuse these together. So that's the first surgery, right? I didn't give it enough time to fuse together. So it just ended up rupturing again. And there was debris and everything else between that disc that was causing the injury that got re-aggravated. I had stuff pretty much got shoved right into my spinal column on a bump I took at PWG. And that's when I thought I broke my neck a second time. And they thought it as well. So they just rushed me into surgery, you know, three months after the injury. And uh, I woke up from surgery and they had informed me that it was just that I didn't let the first fusion heal. They had cleaned it up and uh, they told me to take nine months off in rehab and I could come back if I wanted to, which was bittersweet because I'd done that retirement tour you just talked about. And my main concern was just, I didn't want fans and I didn't want the boys to think, you know, I was taking advantage of them and, you know, duping anybody by saying I was retiring in my mind. I, I thought this was all over for me. So of course coming back took a a little convincing for me, but finally Ethan page was able to pry me back into uh, pro wrestling. And, you know, I've never looked back since. Of course. And you come back, uh, you win all these titles in Canada, you come back to the top. What was it like? What was the feeling, uh, at one point knowing you have to retire and kind of, you know, find a different solution for your career choice, then be able to come back and just rise back to the top. How, how did that play out in your, how, what was that perspective? It was just uh, everything. I was putting everything into this, like before I had hurt myself and before I had to retire, I, I could tell you I was putting everything I had into it, but I was probably going half speed. I was getting by on whatever raw talent I had or whatever name value I might've had. I wasn't working as hard as the guy next to me all the time. Yeah. And when I came back, I just, you know, I, I, I lost this thing that I loved and I didn't want to lose it again. I wanted to make up for all that lost time. So it was the, it was the biggest motivator I've ever had in my life. And I'm thankful for it. Of course. And that whole, that whole story kind of cultivated itself. You're in the ring live. Uh, Scott Demore is in there offers you a three-year deal to impact. Can you explain what that felt like, you know, being able to, to come back and get signed to a big company like that, like impact? What was that whole, how did that feel? Well, at that time, I, I pretty much gave up all hope of getting signed anywhere or getting noticed anywhere. My, my, my goal was to get more eyes on Canadian wrestling. So 
that was at Destiny. Destiny puts on the biggest shows, the biggest main events, the most marquee main events you'll see in all of Canada. And they have for years. And, uh, you know, at that time I was just doing what I do. I was, I told the promoter at Destiny, I said, you give me the ball. If I drop it, you're more than welcome to just fire me and get rid of me. But I, I, I just, I refuse to drop the ball. So when he gave me these main events, I would always overperform and I'd always kill myself trying to make sure that everybody gets the money's worth that make sure that everybody would talk about those shows and those matches. So I think it was just a culmination of all the hard work that I was doing, trying to get the Canadian scene noticed. I think people like Scott Damore and Don Callis and, you know, maybe a few chosen others finally took notice to that. And that's, that's why Scott ended up in the ring that day, offering me a three-year deal. Wow. That's, I mean, did you, did you know any of that was going to happen? Was that just, you know, on the fly? Well, there's, there's like, at that time, I had a few uh, things coming up that might have, you know, been opportunities to work at other companies. Wow. And, you know, I had heard that Impact had interest, but, you know, I didn't know until we were in the ring there. And the second, you know, it happened and it was offered, I, I knew that Impact was a place I was going to start my career on television because, like as I said earlier, it was the thing that got me into independent wrestling to begin with. So it was like the, yeah. the shoe fit. Of course. And you kind of touch on destiny a little bit and their great matches. You actually have a huge, uh, a huge milestone at, at 14 years today, right? Is, is when you, when you were a uh, champion or when you won the uh, No, uh, two years ago, two years ago in one month, I won the championship. Two years ago today is when I signed my contract. Got it. Okay. I saw, I saw 14 years on a tweet. I thought it. No, that was just, it took me 14 years in my career to get that contract. Got it. There's a lot of, a lot of guys start wrestling, man. And they just, they, all they want to do is be on TV. They want to main event WrestleMania. Luckily, I think, well, maybe not luckily, but like, it's never been my goal to main event WrestleMania. I never saw myself as being the next Roman Reigns or the next John Cena. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to be, you know, a very good wrestler. Like I love the wrestling part of this. And everything else that comes with it is fun to me. It's a, it's a new challenge. But uh, yeah, if guys get into this and they just, if they don't get their contract in five years, you see them quit. Like I've seen over 16 years now in wrestling, I've seen thousands of people come and go. Wow. Thousands of people that I've called friends and, you know, coworkers that I've seen just like quit because, you know, they didn't want to do the hustling that it took. And it's a tough business and that's why. But, you know, I stuck it out for 14 years and I'm thankful for it because, you know, now two years later, I'm uh, a two-time Impact champion. I'm the longest reigning tag team champion of all time in Impact. And uh, I'm starting to build a name singles for myself across the world. So, Of course. And uh, you're having a lot of success in the tag team scene. Did you ever see yourself as a tag team wrestler when, when you originally got in? Or uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on being, you know, having that success in tag team wrestling? I it was never by design that like I wanted to be a tag team wrestler. I wanted to be a singles wrestler. It was just at the time, like you're in the independence, you just want to get a booking and it's much easier to get a tag team booking. So we decided to kind of make that our plan of attack and it paid off in several bookings and several opportunities. And you get to network and work with guys like the young bucks and stuff. And through that, we made a name for ourselves. And, yeah. You know, we, it would be a waste because Ethan Page is very good. I'm very good as singles. We are both main event people across North America, but coming together as a tag team, we have this chemistry that would be just, it would be a waste not to, you know, exploit it. Of course. How did you guys come up with the, with the team name, the North? Uh, I came up with that. 
<laughs> so our, our first tag team was Monster Mafia. That was completely Ethan Page's design name. It's just something that stuck. And we went to Impact and we started tagging up. They said they didn't like Monster Mafia because there's there's several reasons, but the Monster Abyss was an Impact. And Mafia, we're not Italian. Why are we confusing people like over the course of the pro wrestling days, like the FBI and all these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so they wanted a new name, a new brand. And I was talking to Don Callis on the phone and I was thinking like, I, I was just like, what about something like uh, True North or The North or something like that? And he was just like, yes, True North something. Or, and I was just like, what about just The North? And he was like, well, I don't hate it. You know what I mean? And then next thing you know, we had a Titantron. So <laughs> it stuck real quick. Of course. And like you said, going on to be the longest reigning Impact Tag Team Champions with Ethan Page with The North, probably one of the most successful tag teams the company has ever had. Uh Fast forward to today, Ethan Page leaves. What was your initial reaction to him leaving and now kind of figuring out, you know what, I know I am, I know I can be a very successful uh, singles competitor. What do you, like, what's next for you in, in Impact? What went through your mind kind of when he decided to leave? Uh, I mean, everybody's got to walk their own path, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't control any of that stuff. Uh, I and R.I.P. Ethan Page, you know, he passed away at Hard to Kill. Yeah. That karate man murdered him. And, you know, that was the end of that. And you just got to, you know, brush yourself off and move on. So I'm going to put my best foot forward. And my goal right now is to be X Division champion because all those guys that I looked up to, they started in the X Division and then they moved on from there. So I'm going to try to knock that X Division championship off my bucket list before I move on to the World Heavyweight Championship. Of course. And such a lineage that title has uh, at no, no surrender. You're in a match to become the number one contender. Um, not really going into that match as one of the top contenders for that title, but you leave the number one contender, leave ha- giving moments in that match. Did you think that any of the fans maybe doubted you going into that be now becoming a singles competitor? Yeah. I think there's a lot of fans that just know me from my work at impact. Like that's, that's completely valid. I, I, got a big name for myself in like Chicago and Cleveland and other places where I've had like a lot of success, but impact, they've just had this two year experience with me. And through that, it's always been tag team stuff. So I think a lot of them have just labeled me a tag team guy, which is fine. I'm happy to prove everybody wrong. You know, if you're expecting less of me, I'm just going to impress you even more when you see me at no surrender stand out like that. Um, Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it, man. Like, uh, I think a lot of people forget that in the last two years at Impact, if the North had a problem with any other tag team or they had a problem with the singles star, mm-hmm. I was the one putting the singles match with them. And I've always stolen the show when I was in the singles match with them. I can list like Marifuji, Vikingo, TJP, Eddie Edwards. I've had all these marquee singles matches on TV for Impact. And uh, like I continue doing it with Carl Anderson and Chris Saban and stuff like that before I ever had this singles run. So I have a lot of experience on impact having singles success as well. So now I just think it's, you know, prime me and got me ready for the being all on my own. Of course. And the, the moment, I guess that keeps replaying all over social media is the moment you had at no surrender, you have Trey Miguel, uh, yeah, Trey Miguel and Ace Austin on your shoulders, you th- dump them over into a pile driver. That's the moment everyone's talking about. What was uh what was your, your your reaction to the reception you got from from that spot? 
Um, I mean, I've been saving that for a long time. I, <laughs> I've, done it on a, I've done it on a couple indies here and there. I actually saw it on Twitter maybe like six or seven years ago. I saw some kid who was just backyard wrestling and it was like a video clip that made its way around and he had done it. So like, I didn't, I didn't create that. I was just the first one to do it on TV, I guess. And uh, I, I, but I've done it on a couple indies and I just, I've always like kind of put it away and kept it in my back pocket and been saving it for that special moment. And like this was my coming out party as a single star. And I figured that was the perfect moment to like set that off. So I'm glad it caught fire and got around because that's only like one of many ideas I have and one of these many things I have in my back pocket that are coming up. So <laughs> that, that, I'm excited for that because that move, I mean, the whole pay-per-view and everyone's just talking about that particular moment. It's just a test of strength and like, like the, like the come up from somebody that they didn't expect to be in that position. So it was really, really cool to see that. Now you kind of spoke about the X division uh, title and, and, you know, the lineage it has, what would it, if you could kind of talk about more, what would it mean for you to become the X division champion? It would be like one of the biggest things on my bucket list, bar none. It would be like, when I started watching impact wrestling, like I fell in love with AJ Styles and Loki and Amazing Red right away. But then later on, you know, you get into the Samoa Joes when they debut and Samoa Joe completely changed my outlook on what professional wrestling can be. Uh, he was a big guy being a cruiserweight. And like, that's, I, I, I liken myself after that. Like I can keep up with all these exhibition guys. I see the comments and the naysayers and all these people saying that they hate that this non-X division guy like Josh Alexander is being put in X division matches. Listen, I promise you, I can do a shooting star press. I can do a 450. I just don't need to. <laughs> like all these other guys are doing it and all these small guys, like you understand like I'm a great base. So I can keep up with them. I have the gas tank to keep up with them. And I can also help, you know, put their moves over even more so when somebody like the king goes in the ring with someone like me you're going to see me launch him even higher and catch him even better and do all this other stuff so it's just going to make for better matches and it makes for a great contrast because if you have me in the ring with somebody like chris bay who i outweigh by sure 60 pounds yeah but like we're moving at the same speed and he has to do even more to make me to take me down like yeah. we're telling a different story than having two like liking people together so you need variety, and I'm that variety in the X division. Of course, and you're like, you're able to do a lot of different things there. You know, being coming from the tag team division, now being you know going after the X division championship, being able to showcase all these moves, I think it's opening a lot of eyes uh, to wrestling fans that you know what this guy is the real deal. He's got a bright future and impact. I, I mean, it's just it's incredible to watch. I like I like to see the the whole the whole journey play out like in front of us on impact. Um, but Ken Shamrock kind of tweeted out that he wanted to get in the ring with you or something like that about the ankle lock. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and just, I mean, Ken Shamrock, I mean, that's pretty big. <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you go back to Slammiversary this year, uh, yeah. there was a moment in that match where I had Sammy Callahan and ankle lock and Ken Shamrock has Ethan Page in an ankle lock. Yeah. We were in dueling ankle locks facing each other. And from that moment on, I've used the ankle lock for years because Ken Shamrock and Kurt Angle, I'm a fan of both of them. And uh, I, I like the hold. I think it's versatile. You can get it from anywhere and all this other stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Ken tweeted that out. And when I thought about it, I was just like, this really writes itself. Ken, who 
I'm not going to say he's in the twilight of his career, but he's definitely on the way, you know, to retirement. He's a year or three years away, whatever it might be. He's still a physical specimen. He can still go in the ring. Uh, I'm not telling him he needs to retire by any stretch, <laughs> but uh, if he wants to wrestle me and he wants to put the ankle lock on the line, I think that story writes itself. You either have a submission match or you have a winner take all and the loser just can't do the ankle lock anymore. And I'm fine putting it up on the line. I think a match like that would make major headlines across the board. And uh, I do too. Just, just the two people in the match. I mean, it'll showcase you so well. And I think get you to that level that you're looking for. Um, is there anyone either in impact or anywhere else that you would consider like a dream opponent or someone you would like to face along, along the road? Uh, yeah. Like I, I really, I'm a, an enormous fan of Shingo Takagi. Okay. Uh, Shingo and Ishii from new Japan. So if I could get to new Japan, like those two would be the number one and two on my bucket list, uh, for impact wrestling, uh, after being in the ring with him for just a short period of time in those multi-man matches, I think me and Chris Bay could do some really good stuff together. And that's why I brought him up earlier. Him and uh, I want to pick a heavyweight. I, I think me and Moose could really do something crazy. Yeah. Moose, he's, uh, he's been on a tear lately and he's been catching a lot of eyes. He's gotten in great shape. He's going after the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I think that if you put Moose against me, I, I think you're going to have technical wrestling against just brute strength and i think we can tell a great story of course i actually just recently my last interview was with moose and he talked about you know now the tna championship is an official championship again and impact so that's another opportunity there would you ever consider going after that title before the the impact oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean i think that that belt might be prettier <laughs> no doubt and it has it has that uh, nostalgic lineage that I, I i would just like to you know put my name on so yeah. it's all it's all about being champion man like if anybody gets in this wrestling business not to be a champion they're lying to you you want to be regarded as the best you got to win those belts so you know moose moose can be on my chopping block <laughs> and i think like you said that'd be a great match uh both of you being able to do different different styles and whatnot um but there's a lot of stuff going on right now with impact and aew uh, what are your thoughts on this kind of partnership crossover type thing? And do you see yourself getting involved in that? Uh, there's a million different ways I could get involved in it. There's dream <laughs> matches for both tag team and singles that I'm sure people are clamoring for. Uh, I don't, I have no idea what's going on. I watch just like you every Tuesday and I see these paid ads where Tony Khan is just ripping impact to shreds and all it does is piss me off. So I would love to get an invite. I would love somebody to buy me a flight to Jacksonville and I'll show up in Jacksonville. And I've had Eddie Kingston reach out to me and say that he would love to fight me. And I, I haven't seen anybody at AEW yet be able to shut his mouth. So I, I, know, I know I'm more than capable of doing that for just a short period of time at least. So uh, Eddie Kingston would be first on my list if I went to AEW, but uh, uh, I, I, would, I would welcome the opportunity, Tony Khan. And uh, before Ethan left, I know a lot of people were kind of talking about what would happen if we got, you know, the Impact AEW crossover, uh, the North and the Revival. What are your thoughts? That was a, that was a huge topic on social media. What was what were your thoughts on that match ever happening, and and if it was to ever happen? I think that would be the best match the North and probably FTR would ever have, if it was built properly. I think both teams 
look at wrestling very similarly. We look at, and we take tag team wrestling seriously. So I don't care who's good guy or bad guy. If you do not adhere to the rules of a tag team match, a tag team match is meaningless. And FTR yeah. for all their, you know, you know, the good things and their bad things, they adhere to the rules at all times. And that's why their matches are meaningful every single time they step in the ring. And the North did the exact same thing. And that's what our goal was when we showed up two years ago in Impact. When we started tagging, we looked at the scene and we said, you got the Lucha Brothers and you got LAX. And you got, you know, some other tag teams like the Rascals and stuff. And like, they're doing this new style of professional wrestling, but they haven't really tied in the rules of tag team matches. And we decided to just go completely contrast to them. And we're just going to adhere to the rules at all times. And we're just going to fit our stuff in whenever we can, which, you know, our stuff was secondary to the rules. And that's why our tag matches stood out because everybody realized it and you know they caught on that's why ftr is so successful that's why the north's been so successful of course and i, I always refer to them back to revi the revival but they are ftr uh i always get that i always get that mixed up for some reason yeah. um but honestly though i think that if that match was to ever happen that would be like the standard bear match for tag team wrestling you know going into the next generation of wrestling um anything less i think would be a letdown for everybody involved yeah <laughs> for all of us you know? <laughs> I think both teams, they've mentioned us in the past. We've mentioned them a bunch of times. I think fans have mentioned and clamored for that match. So I think to not give that to them would be, you know, a disservice. It would be a complete waste and a loss. But, yeah. you know, who knows? It's a pro wrestling business. So it may never happen. And it might happen a million times until you're sick of it. <laughs> and I always like to, towards the end of my interviews, I always like to ask the same same question to all my guests. And that is, when it's your time to hang up your boots uh, officially, what do you want your legacy to be when you step away from the business? Huh. Well, I've heard this question, you know, or this answer given in all those wrestling documentaries over the years. <laughs> and I think Lance Storm had one of like the most legitimate answers you like one could have, very realistic. I want to be respected for my work in the ring, but I want to be remembered by you know, the boys and girls as being, you know, good at what I did, very good at what I did. I, I take a lot of pride in what I do. So if I'm not regarded as being good by the people I work with, then maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was, right? That's, the, I think that's the best legacy I can leave behind. And maybe just to maybe motivate and inspire some young people that want to be professional wrestlers, like, you know, Samoa Joe and Loki and Amazing Red and all those people did for me. That'd be nice. That's awesome. And uh, the work you're doing now, the work you've done over the years, I appreciate it because it's, it's been so it's different and it's refreshing to see your style of wrestling, you know, mixed with all the entertainment side that we get today. Um, and it really is an honor to watch uh, for all the people that are watching right now, where could they find you across social media just to get more from you? Instagram and Twitter. It's at walking underscore weapon. If you go there and you want to support me and buy some merch or contact my wife at jade chung 11 for her merch which i'm sporting right now uh, my but my teespring is in the bios awesome man awesome i want to thank you for uh for coming on and i know we've been talking about doing this for a little while and we finally got to get it done so i appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk and talk about your career and i i'm really excited to see what happens next uh with you and impact yeah me too man you know it, it's a roller coaster right now and i'm on it so i'm just happy to be on the ride <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Man. I think it's only up from here. So 
Yeah. So we got to stay tuned. Thanks, man. All right, man. Thank you. And have a, have a good night. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah.